Well, um, at our house, Becca and I, we have a nativity set. You've seen those, right? They have the wise men, they have the shepherd, they have Mary, they have Joseph, the baby Jesus, all the farmyard animals. But there's one, there's one character from the nativity that's always missing in every nativity set. Like you can't find it. They never put them in, they never include this character in there. Um, our kids sang the ABCs of Christmas this morning, and uh, D stands for David, but D also stands for dragon. There's a dragon in my nativity, dreadful and immense. The shepherds quake, the wise men shake, and spill their frankincense. The castle are alone, and the baby is awake, while Joe and Mary tremble. Oh, this must be some mistake. There's a dragon over Bethlehem. I don't know how he came. I didn't think a donkey could have borne the dragon's frame. I don't believe the census had been called for such as him. And I'm certain that when Dragon knocked, no room was at the inn. There's a dragon by the stable. I don't know why he's there. He hasn't bought a present, and he only seems to glare. He hovers over David's town that still beneath him lies. Yet no one's sleep is dreamless underneath his piercing eyes. This dragon is invisible with ordinary sight. You cannot snap a selfie or televise his flight. Unseen he stands for every power that stands against the earth. The death, disease and darkness overshadowing each birth. This dragon is an enemy of all that's good and true. This monster lies and steals and kills. He's coming after you. Above each crib, the dragon hovers, sure to swallow whole. Rulers, empires, beauty, joy, a flesh and blood black hole. But dragons always meet their match. They always meet their doom. A hero rises to the fight to cast them into gloom. And so at this nativity arose another player. The baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. He was a dragon slayer. He'd come to fight through Hera's plots, through dangers big and small. He took on evil, sickness, death, and triumphed over all. A dragon or a baby, just who would win the fight? It wasn't really fair, you see. The child was a knight. From high above and long before, he knew what must be done. He knew the dragon waiting here, and still, he chose to come. There's a dragon in my nativity, a fierce and monstrous danger. But fierce is still the bravery and love within the manger. Concerning this morning's text, Pastor Eugene Peterson says this, This is not the nativity story we grew up with, but it is the nativity story all the same. Peterson was right. There is no baby in a manger, shepherds rejoicing, or wise men bringing gifts and worshiping. There are angels, but they are not singing. Rather, they are engaged in the heavenly war of apocalyptic proportions. No, in this Christmas story, there is a beautifully clothed woman, a male child, a son, and there's a great fiery red dragon who stands ready to devour, to eat the son 
who is going to shepherd all the nations. But instead of telling you about this scripture, let me read it to you. Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. In preparing something this week, I knew that I would have a lot less time to do a message. And I was looking at this, and I was, uh, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I called a, another pastor, and I said, how do I preach Revelation chapter 12, 1 through 5 in like 10, 15 minutes? He says, don't. And I'm like, but, I ha- but I'm going to, so what am I going to do? So I talked to my wife. She's like, why don't you just split up into two? I was like, I can do that. Today's basically point one of a three-part message, but just this one point is so powerful. But let me read to you the scripture from Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth when another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. It is all Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Last week I spoke about the cosmic context of Christmas. How Jesus is the word made flesh, the light of all the world and the source of life. For there was life in him and that life was the light of all mankind. That's why we sing with the angels, joy to the world. But the same Christ who produces joy, hope, and love in the people of God produces hate, despair, and murder in the enemies of God. In the nativity nativity scene in Revelation chapter 12, Christmas is also in time of intense spiritual warfare. And we know that. If If you go on your news app right now, you'll see all these articles about how the holidays because nobody wants to say Christmas anymore for some reason, are, are a difficult time for people. In fact, the National Alliance of Mental Health did a survey, and they realized that 64% of people with mental illnesses report holidays making their condition worse. High expectations, loneliness, and stress can lead to the, to the holiday blues. During the season from Thanksgiving to New, Year, New Year's, In most cases, symptoms are temporary, but they can be serious if they last for more than two weeks, leading to the clinical anxiety and or depression. For many people, the holiday season is not always the most wonderful time of the year, said NAMI uh, medical director Ken Duxworth. What the survey shows is a tremendous need of people to reach out and watch out for each other in keeping with with the spirit of the season. Well, in, 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 due, in due deference to Mr. Ducksworth there, um, in spirit of all the seasons, we should be looking out for each other, carrying one another's burdens. This is just one, me- one area of many areas of u- Yuletide gis- discontent. I wonder what church attendance would be, will be like this year. No, not ours. I think ours is going to be great. It's always great. You guys are awesome. But I wonder across the board, because, you know, those last two years, it's no, it's no mistake that there's been an increase in pressure increase in stress. And you know, the first thing in basically all of American history happened. Every time in American history, when we had a crisis, people ran to churches. This last two years, we had a crisis and people ran away from churches. This is a time for us to be on our knees, ready for warfare. Joy, to declare joy to the world is a declaration of war against those who would not have it. There continues to be a great falling away, at least in America. 
many turning to spiritual counterfeits. I've heard, in fact, I mean, it's gotten so loony, I've heard that there are some schools that have litter boxes for students who believe that they're cats. In Revelation chapter 12, we have an unveiling of what happened during the manger, during the first Christmas. In fact, that's what apocalypse means. It means an unveiling. And that's why certain Bibles, instead of saying Revelation, they say apocalypse, because we have an unveiling. We get to see behind the curtain what's really happening here. What's really happening is war. Why is Christmas time a time of spiritual darkness? I just went over just a few things, but there's so many more reasons why people feel like they're in the dark during Christmas time. Why is there so much spiritual darkness when this is the season of hope, of love, and of joy? Well, if I were to put it just in one sentence, it would be this. Because the dragon still wants to eat the child, and because he can't, he takes it out on those the child loves. Before I go any further, my wife warned me that there'd be kids in the congregation. At every point, I should mention this. The dragon's defeated. The dragon's defeated. We do not operate from a place of defeat. We operate from a place of victory. Satan is defeated. The enemies of God are dying. They just don't know it yet. You have three mortal enemies. Some of you are like, okay, I've never, I've never, I'm not, I'm not in beef with anybody around here. I don't like drama. You have three mortal enemies. Can I go over them with you? One is sin. Sin in general and personal sin too. Sin in this world, the culture of this world loves sin and hates Jesus. It always has. In fact, we go back to John chapter 1, that, the, that men love darkness rather than the light. Actually, John chapter 3. Um, that, is, um, that is what makes Satan the god of this age. He is the false idol the culture worships. The culture worships sin. It's speaking, when it talks about him, him being the God of this world, it's speaking of the unbelieving culture, the unbelieving world. Two, sin. Sin is another area, one, actually first one is sin. Sin was defeated on the cross. Everyone who comes to the cross will have the penalty of their sin paid by Christ. And death that stems from sin, one day the child, the son, will put to death even death itself. And that's the amazing thing. That's what we read about in the end of Revelation is dead, death finally dies because it is a final enemy to be defeated. And he'll put even that under his foot. Second one is Satan. That's who we read about today, the great dragon. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read Revelation chapter 12, the dragon is Satan, the serpent, the devil. He and his angels hate you. They They desire to devour you. Many many during this time are letting their guard down, dropping their shields and letting the armor gather dust. Your self-delusion is one of Satan's greatest weapons against you. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Your third great enemy, dear believer, is your own sinful nature. It's kind of like the spoiler alert in the M. Night Shyamalan movie. It's like, oh, I was the enemy the whole time. Our own sinful nature. So many of us, once again, during this time, maybe get lax. And that's when our enemies like to attack. That is when our own sinful nature, all of a sudden, addictions we thought were long past, all of a sudden become a lot more intriguing than they ever used to be. Other sins crop up. The devil himself is looking for whom he may devour. In this part of the cosmic context of Christmas, John pulls back the veil on the nativity story itself. There's a dragon in the Christmas story. Like the, like, the, like the video says, there's a dragon in my nativity. 
Maybe some of you want to add that to your nativity set. I was trying to find a red dragon this last week so we could put it in our nativity set because there's a dragon in the nativity. Sometimes we kind of de-spiritualize the nativity. It's something that's kind of just nice, makes us feel warm inside. You realize it was war. It was war that was going on in that first nativity. There's a dragon in my nativity. But you know something? God's not worried. He knows that the, he, the devil is worried because he knows what this child means for him. His days are numbered. Satan, being the accuser, likes to remind us about our past, but I think it's far past time we remind him of his future. And today, D is for dragons. Let me tell you quickly about the dragon's intentions, the dragon's reality, and the dragon's destiny. The dragon's intentions are read for us here. The dragon stood in front of the woman who is about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. We are told that the dragon is red. The dragon is red for one very specific reason, is that red was the symbol of aggression, anger, and murder. Jesus said that the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning. That's the thing that he desires. In fact, he's very, he was very pleased a few weeks ago with that, what happened in Wisconsin. There's a historical context of what John is talking about here, the vision that John was given. The, the killing of the most innocent is uniquely demonic. Pharaohs and kings, when they were worried that there would be a king who would be born, had children put to death. We know a pharaoh, right? They were to slay the children as they were being born, the newborn sons. Then Herod, Herod the Great, Herod the King of the Jews, that was his official name. He, his intention was to have every child under a certain age put to the sword. But God, but God intervened. We can see in Matthew and Luke's gospel, we do not physically see the devil, but we see his invisible hand moving through Herod. And we see the invisible hand of Satan moving today through abortion. Human intentions, edicts, and laws are tools used, by, used to commit such evil, but, the de- but it is the devil's hand behind each one. There is this uh, song, you know, that was very, very heavy. Let me get a little lighten it up. So there's this song in Christmas programs like ours. It's uh, um, Baby Jesus, We Love You. I remember one time at church I was a part of, we were doing this, and um, the different parts of it, it's like the different animals in the manger. So it's like, what did the cow in the manger say to baby Jesus on the hay? Moo, 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 moo. Baby Jesus, we love you. So my friend's daughter, she was in this, she was in our, our Christmas pageant, and her grandma was kind of helping her. She's like, what does, what does the cow say to baby Jesus? And she's like, moo, 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 baby Jesus, we love you. It's like, what, what, does, the, what, does, the, uh, what does the puppy say to baby Jesus? It's like, burr, 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 baby Jesus, we love you. And so me, being me, um, decided to talk over grandma and said, what does the fox say to baby Jesus? <laughs> I could hear by the laugh. Everybody saw that video. That's great. Uh, and it was a great little page. It was like, beep, pop, 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 pop. <laughs> so as I was looking through this, you know, we have songs. We have, we have actually scripture about certain people at the nativity, what they said. Mary has her song of praise. You know, I love the song. I, mean, I shouldn't say the name. I, I do love the song, uh, Mary, Did You Know? Um, but the fact of the matter is, is Mary did know. An angel told her, and she sang her own song about it. So we have all these songs, but, you know, I was wondering, it's like, you know, there's somebody at the nativity. What would the dragon say? Imagine it would be something like this. Long have I hated you. 
Everything you are, I am not. And everything I hope for is is undone in you. If I could open up my mouth and swallow you, I would. While you came, while you came to give abundant life, I came to steal, kill, and destroy. The dragon still has the same intentions, but he has the same intentions for us. The part of the chapter I didn't read was Satan's intentions towards you. Jesus told us the dragon's intentions for us in John 10:10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. As I move on, may I tell you the dragon's been defeated. Second point, the dragon's reality. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter, and her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. What is the dragon's reality is he doesn't get what he wants. The dragon's intention was to snuff Christ out before he could grow up to be a man. In essence, to have a Christless Christmas. For the people who want to take Christ out of Christmas, you are not in good company. The devil's reality is that he does not get what he wants. And while we're on the topic, you can't take Christ out of Christmas. In recent years, there's been an effort to take Christ out of Christmas. The big worry is that we might offend somebody. Oh, dear. That's why we call it the holidays. That's why we have to have single colors on our coffee cups, because somebody might get offended. Oh, oh, dear me. In fact, people will have changed. Instead of saying Christmas, they'll say holiday. And holiday, by the way, means holy day. So nice try, losers. Um, The meaning of Christmas is said to be family, warmth, and getting along. But you know something? All this this amounts to, you know something? I just really don't care because I don't expect an unbelieving world to have any other emotion about God coming into this world than anger. I don't care because you can't take Christ out of Christmas. If the devil himself and all of his angels completely powerless to do it, you know something? Some marketing firm in Silicon Valley doesn't have any chance either. I don't need Target's permission to keep Christmas in my heart and to keep it all year, and neither do you. We do not operate from defeat. We do not operate from defeat. This Christmas, in all years, in all times, in all times, in all places, we do not, we do not operate from, de- from defeat. I won't apologize that the greatest aspect in all the cosmos is mine. That the, that the child spoke of here is my Lord and Savior and brother. I am more than a conqueror, and so are you. We need to stop living in the dragon's fantasy world. He didn't get what he wanted with the child, and the only way he'll get what he wants with you is if you give it to him. That's Satan's reality. Let me go to my third point right here. This is the dragon's destiny. A son, a male child, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. Satan is a great pretender. Satan often co-ops the imagery of God, that God uses. He has seven diadems. Let me tell you what a diadem is. I know we have kids in the audience, but still follow me. We'll, 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 we'll get through this. A diadem, a diadem was the crown the king of Persia wore. Now, the reason why he had a different kind of crown, it's not the Stephanos, which is translated also as crown, but the diadem is different. Stephanos would be the crown any king would, would wear. And Persia was one of those kingdom-building empires. So they'd have all these kingdoms. That, they'd have all these kingdoms, all these kings, but all kings bowed down to one king, and he was 
the king of Persia, he was the emperor of Persia, he wore the diadem, a purple ringlet, so not even like a big shiny crown, a purple ringlet, and he was called the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, which is where that saying comes from. So Jesus comes on the scene, Revelation, he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's like shoving in the face of the emperors and kings, because he's the true King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The devil, Satan, the dragon, he wears these diadems, but he has not earned any of them. He is a pretender to the throne. He roams around like a roaring lion, but Jesus is the Lion of Judah. And so many create a Jesus in their own minds who they worship, who's okay with their sin, who's only an inspiration and not an authority. He's just the baby Jesus in the manger. To them, he is a word, he is a word, he is a light, he is part of life. They worship the great pretender. They truly worship the red dragon. That may seem harsh. But Jesus in John chapter 8, when speaking to the Pharisees, and they said that God was their father, he said, God is not your father. If God was your father, you'd listen to me. Let me cut to the chase. He says, Satan is your father. Who rules the earth? Do kings, do emperors rule the earth? Do bodies of elected politicians rule the earth? Do great militaries rule the earth? Some think the devil rule the earth and they're wrong. He is a false god this, worship, this world worships. For every false spiritual belief has a pretender wearing fake diadems. The sun, the sun will be called wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, everlasting father, and the, gov- and the government shall be upon his shoulder the master is coming back, and one day everyone will give an account. So let me clear something up. Satan has no authority on this earth other than what God gives him himself. There are some people who think God has no control over this earth, and we've got to give him authority. I suggest you read Revelation. Nobody gives him authority to what he wants to do. Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, who is king over all the earth, looked out and he said, looked at my kingdom, and he was struck with leprosy. He didn't give God permission to give him leprosy. God just does what he wants to do because God is the king over all the earth and he's given that authority for all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus Christ, his son. Let me go back to the dragon. He is a defeated power. The devil's destiny is the lake of fire, but he has been long defeated before that day. That day is merely the result. The day (coughs) is merely the result of of that day that he was forever defeated. Next week, I want to talk about how the dragon is slain and continues to be slain. But this week, I want you to know that he, is de- he was defeated at the cross. All the rage, all of the schemes, and the death are just the death throes of a dying beast. But we must be on our guard, for a wounded beast is at their most dangerous. C.S. Lewis wrote, Since it is so likely that children will meet cruel enemies... Let them at least have heard of brave knights and heroic courage. Otherwise, you are making their destiny not brighter, but darker. I agree, not because it's nice for kids, but when we are up late at night and we we see the nation's rage and people plot in vain, we see those who say they're Christians acting and talking very unchristlike. Someone even actively trying to destroy the faith of others. For a moment, it might seem like the dragon has won. But the dragon has not won. I loved in that video because the child was a knight. It's a bit anachronistic, but you get it, right? 
The devil thought that the, the most weakest he could speak through, he could work through Herod the Great, but he found out something very different. But this child was a knight, and all of sin, death, and the grave flees before this knight. Some um, even in the darkest moments, a light shines. It's an awakening to the greater reality of the cosmic context of Christmas. In 1914 was a very special Christmas day. It was in the middle of World War I. I'm not going to go over all the history of World War I. Let's suffice it to say it was the bitter seeds that planted World War II. Many people had no idea why they were even fighting, but they were fighting nonetheless. Nations go to war. And on one of these battlefronts on Christmas Day, there was no fighting. Something amazing happened. <coughs> one soldier comes out waving a white flag. And all the soldiers gather in no man's land. No man's land was between the two armies. It's called no man's land because you survive like seconds in no man's land. That's where they fire all of the guns, all of the bombs and all these things. And they come together and they exchange gifts and play soccer. It's called, it's, it's called the Christmas miracle. Then the middle of war, there was a silent night, a holy night. The war continued to rage, but it was thought for at least one moment that in this incredible darkness, a light has shone. Remember, the child is and was and will always be a mighty warrior dressed in the armor of light. He is no story or fable or myth, but the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christmas is a celebration, a reminder of God's gift of Jesus to this world for salvation. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. But Christmas is also a time of spiritual warfare. Maybe some of you feel really down, feel really beat down. Speaking with some friends this week, and it just feels like in certain, in certain professions, it just seems like the hits keep coming. Like you get over one thing and here comes another. And for many of us, we do feel beat down. Maybe you're there, maybe you're there today. Would you pick up your shield again, your shield of faith, and lock shields with me? Because the day of evil keeps coming, and we need to keep our shields up. The devil throws his fiery dart. Why? Because he's so upset. Because 2,000 years ago, he couldn't devour the baby, and he can't. And we stand together, we stand united as a people of God with our shields raised in faith and say, you don't get it today either. He can't take your joy, you can only give it away. He can't take your salvation, you can only give it away. You can't, he cannot take your hope, you can only give it away. So would you raise your shields up with me and stand together? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, and the increase of his government, there shall be no end. The enemy still seeks to destroy and devour us, but our victory is in Christ, who came and was born to die for our sins and was raised on the third day. God allows Satan to wreak havoc only for a little while. His time is short but he's still dangerous. As we celebrate Christmas, therefore, we must also remember to be diligent in our faith, to pray for one another, to pray for one another, to go so deep into the area of prayer where God says, I want you to pray for this person in your congregation or maybe in your life. You know, it's amazing when I do that, I'll give somebody a call and they're like, thank you, pastor. I was just having the worst day ever. It's like, I didn't know that. I just knew I had to pray for you. That's all I knew. 
It's amazing when you see that in the body too, where people see one another, see somebody's head dragging down, see um, somebody who's just having a difficult time. We pray for one another. We stand with another. We bear one another's burdens. And in this way, fulfill the law of Christ. Remember to be diligent in our faith, enduring and keeping the commandments of Jesus. As the days of our blessed rest approaches, we meet our Savior King face, when we meet our Savior King face to face. Our teenagers are going to be leading us in our last song, Joy to the World. As I'm talking here, teenagers, that's your cue to come on up. This is going to be, I'm, I'm excited because I, I have, uh, I've heard it from a distance. I have not been in here. They all have instruments and are going to be playing Joy to the World. So this is going to be, this is going to be great. Um, it is really great that you guys are doing Joy to the World because we didn't like, we didn't coordinate things to know that this is Joy Sunday and we're doing Joy to the World at the very end. But as they're getting ready, as they're getting their instruments out and you can come up as I'm talking. Get your stuff, come on up. I had uh, Jessica and uh, Josh read that poem from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow because I thought it was just so, it's so on the point of how many of us kind of get through the Christmas season, right? That's a really sad thing just to try to get through. And we look at the world and we see there's no peace on earth I, peace on earth I see for, for hate mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill towards man. And I love that last line, though. Pled the bells loud and deep. God is not dead. He does not sleep. There are so many on that day who will think that, God, I thought you were dead. I thought you were asleep. I could do what I wanted. I could say what I wanted. I could shipwreck other people's faith because I just figured you weren't really caring and they're going to find out. Pled the bells loud and clear. God is not dead. He does not sleep. A peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Take it away. All right, I just want to say thank you so much um, to all of you for allowing your kids to come, have extra practices. We're just, I'm really proud of them and what they've, what they've produced in the last couple of weeks. So Carson's actually going to start us off. He's our drummer and he's going to kind of, and there is a reception afterwards. So basically what we're going to do is that we're going to play through instrumentally, Joy to the World, and then I'm going to ask you to stand and join with us to sing, okay? So Carson, go ahead and take it away. Please stand with us.
pray blessing over this congregation. God, may you watch over them this Christmas that we will remember that the enemy is defeated, that he can stand no longer. And if we stand next to you, God, you will be our defender and carry out your word and and purpose in our lives. Jesus, watch over us this week. In your name we pray. Amen. You're all welcome to join us at the end downstairs for the fellowship.